This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. We're starting a new series today called Father's Design for Marriage. And this is a, um, one of those topics that we all can uh, learn and grow no matter how long you've been married. Uh, it's, it's a journey. And it's not for the faint-hearted. It's for those that uh, want to grow and, and process through things. And, and maybe you're, you're single and someday you want to be married. You can learn from this. Or maybe you're single. Uh, we can all uh, get instruction and information from this that will enhance uh, your life. And every friendship, really, there's principles in this series that will help you with your friends, your coworkers, because... Really, when it comes down to it, every, every relationship, whether it's married or friendship, the Bible tells us exactly how that design or what it should look like, how it should be. So we're going to dig in and just have a lot of fun with this series. How many know that there's some people that have marriage issues around, marriage problems? And I really believe that uh, marriage problems are really spiritual problems. The root is a spiritual issue, uh, a spiritual uh, problem. You know, in our, our small group this past Friday, and I hope you're in a small group. Small groups are awesome, and you can really grow. And I, I know a lot of people are coming to Financial Peace University. That, you know, finances are important. All our small groups are awesome. You need to get plugged in somewhere. But Friday night, uh, we were just uh, talking about how long we've been married. And uh, the topic uh, of our, our study this time is free indeed. So I don't know what the connection was there. <laughs> but anyway, uh, there were some milestones of people they had anniversaries, Richard and Chris Bounds, 47 years of marriage. Y'all can do a little better than that. I mean, 47 years of marriage. And then we had, I, th I think the winners were Buddy and Virginia Mooningham, 53 years. 53. But you know... I think what a great witness in our world. I think one of the greatest witnesses is a strong, healthy marriage because you just don't see it. And, and be able to, it's a testament to God's uh, involvement in a marriage and, and putting him first and what he does because it's supposed to be a place of joy and it is a place of growth. And we've all, you all go through the same hard knocks. You learn things. One way or the other, you're going to learn some things. Any married people are here, say yes. Amen. <laughs> but there's principles from the Word, and if we'll learn those principles, you can have a great marriage. You can have a successful marriage. It doesn't mean that you'll be free from problems, but it means you know how to get, work through those problems, where you can move on with your life. So, uh, this is going to be a, a, a fun series, and we get the answers from God's Word. The Scriptures tell us the way that God designed, our Father designed marriage to be. But 
I saw this clip from Dr. Gary Smalley. How many have heard Gary Smalley? And this is some uh, marriage tips I believe you'll enjoy. Take a look at this. Dr. Gary Smalley and I've been helping marriages for years improve and I've got a couple of friends who have some very unique insights into marriage and I want you to meet them. Hey, thank you, Gary. My name is Johnny. And I'm Chachi. And you know, marriages is something that I think we're all excited about and something that we think we can bring a lot of wisdom to. Isn't that right, Dr. Dobson? Uh, Smalley? Oh, well, oh. That, that's Sorry. our faux pas. That. We've got some killer marriage tips we think that are really going to knock your socks off. Yeah. So let's do some dancing, get this party started, and help marriages no. out all over the country. Let's no. do it. No, let's go ahead and just roll with the tips. No dancing. When you get the chance, finish your wife's sentences for her. Yeah. It's important that she knows that you know where she's going with a particular thought or sentence. Yeah, this says, I know you, I love you. And you're predictable, but in a good way. When on vacation, have fun. But make sure your wife knows exactly how much this thing is costing. <laughs> now remember, allowing her to feel guilt can actually be a good thing. Right you are, because guilt is actually an acronym for good financial stewardship. No, that's... Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It, make sense. it is, it is, it is, it is. It does not make sense. It is, it is. When you're in an argument, it's key to use the time that your spouse is talking to come up with what you want to say next. So it goes like this. You speak, and then while she's speaking, you think, and then you speak again. And that's how the killer comebacks happen. Surprise your wife with a weekend trip for you and your buddies. Husbands, doing this will help her see that you're taking care of your needs. And taking care of your needs will give you the ability to take care of her needs. You know, putting your kids in timeout works for most parents, but putting your spouse in timeout can also be really effective. Putting your spouse in the timeout chair will hopefully help her see things from a different perspective, preferably yours. And if you get any pushback, I'd let her know that you're having a hard time telling her apart from the children. <laughs> <laughs> That's classic. Okay. Whenever your wife tells you about something she wants to buy, respond with the sound effect of a cash register. Here's a little role play for you. Hey, honey, I'm going to go buy some skinny jeans. Cha-ching. <laughs> hey, honey, I'm going to go get some bread now. Cha-ching. <laughs> You know, guys, uh, those are kind of horrible tips. Okay. I guess she didn't like them that much. I mean, when you think about it, uh, those were killer tips, and I think they'd, like, kill most marriages. Well, <laughs> I guess we're at an impasse then. Yeah. Awkward. Hey, Gary, here's an idea, though. To keep the video rolling, let's just do the robot at the end and... Send this thing off with some fun, if you know what I'm saying. We gonna do that with us? I, I, I tell you what, I was, you know, uh, a little bit uncomfortable by this. It's kind of like weird.
All right. That will definitely kill your marriage. You know, it's remarkable in the day that we live in, so many go to the world to get advice and to get answers. When God's the one that designed, He created marriage, but people go to the world, and the world is confused. The world doesn't have the answer. It will tell you to fight back, or it will tell you to do things. Usually, they're the opposite of what the Word says. So we cannot get pulled in to the worldly advice. We need to do what God calls us and tells us to do. You know... When you look at the world, it's even confused about what marriage is. Much less giving advice on how to make your marriage good. How about if we went to the source? How about if we went to God's Word and went to the one who created marriage and see what He has to say about it? And then as we listen, we need to do what He says. And that will change our lives. In Hosea chapter 4, verse 6, you're probably familiar with this, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. A reason a marriage is destroyed is for a lack of knowledge. The, re- re- uh, the reason a friendship is, is damaged or destroyed is a lack of knowledge. We need to have knowledge, but we need to have the right kind of knowledge, and the right kind of knowledge comes from God's Word. His Word is alive and powerful, but has the answers for what we're all needing and what we're seeking. He has the answer for us, so we need to look to His Word. We need to look to the owner's manual for marriage. You know, it'd be ridiculous for me to to buy a car, and then I I go down and uh, go to a bike shop and ask for their owner's manual. What kind of bike do you own? I don't own a bike. I I have a car. I want to know how my car works. Therefore, I want this owner's manual to this bike. I mean, no, there's going to be problems. It's not going to work. There's not 12 gears in your car. It's going to be issues. That's what we do when we go to the world or we listen to worldly advice. We should go to God and see what He has to say where we can really really have the answers. You know, it really doesn't matter what I think about marriage or what you think about marriage. What matters, what does God think? What does God say? And there's been many times in my own life when I've had to go to the Word and the Word wasn't easy to swallow. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes the truth isn't, isn't easy, but I know the truth is where freedom is, where peace is, and where strength is. So I have to say, I give up what I'm thinking and my opinion, and I take God's opinion, His thoughts. And that's, it's not, just hearing the Word is not enough. It's when you hear it and you obey it that your life has changed. There's a lot of believers that are just hearing, but they're not doing what the Word says. But when you do it, it changes your life. I mean, you want to change life. You know, your marriage can keep improving. You can keep moving and progressing and and, and processing and moving forward with your life. And that's what we need. We need strong marriages and strong families. Fulfillment in marriage comes to us when we work on our marriage 
Father's way. And that's in your notes. Fulfillment in marriage comes to us when we work. Say work. You mean I got to work on this thing? Yes. Yes, you got to work. Work on our marriage Father's way. Psalms 119, 165 says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. We love the Word. We love his, his, the, the Scriptures, and nothing shall offend us. Don't let the Word offend you. How do you... Well, I'm not offended at the Word. If you don't do it, you're offended. If you don't do it from the one who loves you the most and, and knows you better than you know yourself... If you don't do what he says, you're actually harboring offense against that word. Because you think, I can't do that. That's too hard. I can't do it. But the truth is, he gives you grace. That word is full of life and full of grace. And the grace gives you the ability to do that word. But you have to step out and take action. See, many times one spouse will start believing. And the other spouse will think, that's a weakness. And say, I'm going to take advantage of that. And the world says that that humility is weakness. God calls it strength. God calls it strength. And it opens the door for God to work on your spouse. How many want God working on your spouse? Now if your spouse is beside you, it's not a great time to go, yeah, yes. Not a good time. Have you ever been a, a, around a couple and, and, and it's usually the man, he'll say something, you go, oh no, 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 <laughs> was not the right thing. And we've all done it and you start growing and you start learning what to do, what not to say, and not to do those killer tips that we looked at. You can't have a healthy ma marriage without being willing to change. Without being willing to change. Everyone wants to blame the other. But really it comes down to you need to be responsible for yourself. You need to go to God's word. And many people go to God's word to say how my spouse should be acting. But really you should go to the word and see the way you're supposed to be. You work on yourself. You don't go in there, huh? Or you leave a scripture in a very convenient place. God gave me the scripture for you. Now I'll tell you what a man's going to do. He's going to act like he doesn't see that scripture. And you're not going to be able to contain yourself and go, did you see that scripture of the... The Lord, the Word, the Lord gave me this morning for you? No, I didn't see it. Now see, He's lied to you. <laughs> you are trying to do the Holy Spirit's job. And there's problems. Okay. <laughs> In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, We'll just get to the beginning here. It says, And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, 
and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, God is saying that men need help. And I've thought about this, you know, and, and just through years of, you know, walking with the Lord, I think, and I can say this as a man, I think that probably man needs woman more than woman needs man. Because God said, this man needs help. He needs a helper. I recognize he needs a helper. <laughs> and said a comparable helper. Now, you think about a, a helper and you think, well, a lot of men think, well, my love slave. No, no. Helper, helper, helper here, the meaning of, of helper. I've, I've lost my notes. Helper, and maybe I'm ahead of my notes, I don't know. Helper means one called alongside. It, it's actually the same word that we use, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a helper. Now, how many would say that we need the Holy Spirit's help? Well, that is what the term that God is using about a man's wife, his helper. She is to be a, a gift from God that is a, a, a treasure that only a, a source of help that you can only get from her. And that's the reason I say that probably men need, well, let me just say it this way, men need, or husbands need their wives. We really do. And we need to have that understanding in us. God said it. So we need to know it. In Genesis 2.20, So Adam gave names to all the cattle, the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. He took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made, it's a great term, made, into a woman, and he brought her to the man. He brought her to the man. Uh, I'll just touch on it. That word made there means to construct or, or build. Man was made out of the dirt. It's interesting that when Adam was naming all the animals and everything, it says that all creatures were made of dirt. And so was man. But when God made woman, it, it says that he took a rib from Adam and he built her himself. That's the reason woman is, is prettier than men. 
She is more beautiful than any man. Because God, she's not made from dirt. Just think about this. Adam is seeing all the animals coming. He's naming them. And God goes, well, I don't see a comparable, I don't see a helper for you. And Adam's probably going, oh, thank you, Lord. And then God says, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put you to sleep. This is going to be the first major surgery that's ever happened. I'm going to put you into a deep sleep. I'm going to take one of your ribs. And what he did, he took that one rib and started multiplying, and he formed woman, the woman's body, out of that one rib. Where was the soul and spirit? The soul and spirit were in Adam. He pulled out the soul and spirit, and then he formed out of that one rib, he built woman. So we, we need to understand that God made this helper, and she is extraordinary like no other creation. She was fashioned and made by the hands of God. So I want to point out this truth to you, and this is a common problem I see in marriages. And, and the wife, this is usually, uh, there's some characteristics in her husband that frustrate you, that you just can't understand. Here's the revelation, ladies. He is not a woman. Deep. I know that just blows you away. He is not female. And you need to know the way he's designed because you'll find yourself trying to shape him into a female. And he's not. It's not going to happen. Because he's, he's not. <laughs> There's a reason he doesn't act like you and think about you. Uh, act like you and he needs to be thinking about you. But doesn't think like you. He thinks about you, ladies. The reason is the part that makes you, your, your qualities so special, those qualities are the very ones that were removed from him. He doesn't have them. So a, a woman is more thoughtful, more tender. She thinks about people's feelings more. And she is more moved by hardship. When uh, she sees hardship, she, she feels for them. Generally, that's the way it is. It, it doesn't affect him like that. He has to be, usually a man has to be shown a problem before he will engage to solve it. Because he don't think like you. I know what you're saying. Well, no, you should have seen that. You should have seen that was a problem. No, tell him. He didn't see it. It wasn't a problem. Everything's going fine. You got pointed out sometimes. Why? Because the, the truth is he's a little dull in the places where you're strong. And when you understand that, you're not saying, well, I'm not going to say anything. He should have seen that and taken care of that. And you're just boiling on the inside. Then the next thing you know, well, I'm not going to take out the garbage either. 
And then he's going to come in and say, why is our kitchen full of garbage? What's wrong with you? What have you been doing all day? Kitchen's full. And you blow up and said, you should have seen that the garbage needed to be taken out. Moving on. So God removed out of the man everything that makes a woman. And I believe that, that, that part that she has, men need, we need our wives. Husband, you need your wife. She has insights and things that you don't have. God has given her as a gift to you, and she is a helper, just like the Holy Spirit's a helper. And we need our wives. We need her. And that's something I had to learn is, is to, to listen. And all husbands have to learn that you listen to your wife because she has insight. She has some understandings that you don't have. God designed marriage this way. He took the woman out of the man so that the gaps on his emotional side can only be fulfilled or filled by her. See, she completes you. Husbands are completed by their wives because there's gaps in him that only she can fill. So it's important that we, we know that. But the husband is not like you. He, he's not going to be. He doesn't smell like you. He's not as pretty as you. He doesn't care. So God gave her to make you more complete, to, uh, to be a complement, to be a helper to God's purpose for you as a married couple for your life. And every relationship, every friendship, the root of it should be God's purpose and God's plan. When you get that as the root of those friendships, those close friendships, when God's the center of it, you are, you're at the right design. You're at the right place to begin. Because he's to be, uh, his plan and purpose should be the, the center of every relationship, every friendship, and our marriage. He's to be first, number one, in every area of our life. In Genesis 2, verse 23, there's helper. Helper means one called alongside, it's in your notes. To be kind, be the kind of asset and treasure that no one else in your life could ever be. Genesis 2, verse 23. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So God took the woman out of man, and then he, he presents Eve back to Adam. And the marriage institution was created. It's actually a picture of Jesus and the church. See, before the foundation of the world, it says we were in Him, in Christ. Our, our soul and, and spirit were in Jesus. And God is building His body. And when the body is complete, the body will be presented back as a bride to the Lord Jesus Christ. Marriage is a picture of, the, of Jesus and the relationship he has with the church. 
But it says here that she would be called woman. Two became one. Marriage was created. And this is an institution that God created. So therefore, I submit to you, God knows how it should run. He knows how it should be designed, and we need to do it His way. It said that God breathed the breath of life into man, not woman. When He pulled woman out, He had already breathed life into Adam. And I just want to, I threw this scripture in there. Genesis 5, 2, Male and female created He them and blessed them and called their name Adam. In, that, in the day when they were created. Inside of Adam was Eve. He was Adam, but he was a them. And God pulled Eve out of Adam, and then to complete Adam, he presented Eve back. Beautiful picture of marriage. In verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, they shall become one flesh. Husband's scripture tells us your wife is more important than your parents. She is. And that's something that needs to be understood. That's part of that joining, that uh, coming together as one. That's a part of it, is that you leave mother and dad and you cleave and, or join into your wife and you're one. And many times what you have to do, you have to go to mom and dad and say, look, I love you, I respect you, but I'm not a 10-year-old kid anymore. Hopefully you didn't get married at 10. You're not a 10-year-old kid anymore, and I have responsibilities, I'm responsible for someone else. Will you please let me make my own decisions? Now, they ask for advice. That's another thing. But you leave. That's a part of her security. That's a part of her being joined to you that she is the most important person in your life. And, and they had to put in scriptures, God had to have it in there and say, look, guys, she's more important than your parents. And she needs to know she is the most important person on this earth is your wife. Now, when you have that understanding and live that way, you're on the road to a God-designed marriage, an awesome marriage. Her thoughts, her desires mean more to you than even your parents. So how did sin get into this thing? How did marriage get uh, messed up? Well, let me just let you know, it wasn't the woman's fault, it was Adam's fault. How many know that the woman gets blamed usually? They say, even that apple. <laughs> but when we look at the truth, what God's Word says, it, it wasn't Eve. Let's look at Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may, may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God said, You shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, how many know she misquoted what God had said? God didn't say you couldn't touch it. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, 
For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband, who was, say it, with her. Where was Adam? He went off at the Super Bowl or something. He was with her. He heard this conversation. He's right there with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were uh, naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Perfection was perverted because sin had came in, and Adam failed to protect and to lead his wife because he knew the truth. He knew how to answer the serpent. He had authority to tell the serpent to leave. But he gave up that authority when he kept his mouth shut and would not uh, help his wife or a brain uh, present, this is what the Lord really said or correct or whatever you want to look at. He didn't do that. Many theologians believe in studying out that was because he wanted harmony with his wife. But you know what happened? Disharmony. <laughs> Problems came through that act of disobedience. But Adam knew the truth. And he failed to walk in it. He didn't protect his wife. He didn't lead her. He followed her lead that he knew was wrong. And it opened the door to sin. His authority was overthrown. So perfection in the first marriage was over. Sin enters in and then the blame game starts. They start blaming each other. Adam even blamed God. I mean, though, it's not wise to blame God. He's perfect. And husbands and wives have there's this struggle they have to work through and do things God's way for really that two to become one. It's been a struggle since sin came into the world. That which was to be for joy and fulfillment and completion could be a place of intense pain. Could be a place of heartache and hurts. Not what God intended. Uh, the, everything changed from this moment. It says that Adam, where fruit came up easy, he had to struggle and work the ground for it to produce. Eve, she would have sorrow or trouble in bearing children. And probably the, the most powerful thing that, that hurt the, the marriage was that there would be a control issue. And we'll look at that next, next Sunday. But there had never been this, this vine for, uh, for control till now, till sin entered the world. And now there was a struggle for control. And the, what the world says is not truth. What God's Word says is truth. And we're going... We're going to look at that uh, next week. We'll continue this and just dig into it. To it. It's going to be a, a fun series. But at, at this time, I want you to bow your heads because I just want to take a moment and ask you a question. And this is a, a, a serious moment, so I want to ask no one to be talking or getting up 
Stay in your seat. I want you to think about this. If you were to die today, say you left church, you had a heart attack and died, what makes you think you would go to heaven? What makes you think you would go to heaven? If you say, well, I would hope I would go to heaven because I just went to church. Well, let me tell you, the Bible doesn't say because you hope so or because you just went to church that you'll go to heaven. He said, well, I believe in God. Well, the Bible actually says that the devil believes in God, but the devil's not going to heaven. Well, I, I love God. Well, it depends on what that means to you. The last thing said by the pilots or the terrorists that drove into the world, that flew into the World Trade Center was, I love God. But it was the wrong God and the wrong way to demonstrate God's love. Well, my parents, they say I was a Christian. They're Christians. They say I was a Christian. That's good enough for me. Now, where in the Bible does it say because your parents are a Christian or somebody calls you a Christian, does that make you a Christian? God very clearly tells us how to get to heaven. And someone needs to be honest with you and value you enough and tell you, if those were your thoughts, what I just talked about, you're not going to heaven. The Bible says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot come to the Father except through Him. Jesus said in John 3, you must be born again. What does that mean, be born again? Well, this is simply what it means. That you give your whole heart and your whole life to Jesus Christ. You give Him everything. You turn it over and you follow Him. That's what it means to be born again. So I want to make sure. You say, well, Pastor, I might get embarrassed. Because I might ask you to raise your hand. If I raise my hand, I might get embarrassed. You might. I'd rather be a little embarrassed than go to hell. I'd rather say yes to God. He also said, if you're not ashamed of me, I'll not be ashamed of you. So I'm going to ask you right now, maybe you've been running from God, maybe you made this decision before, but you didn't follow through with it. I want you right now, if that's you, to lift up your hand and say, that's me. And we'll pray together. So see that hand. Anybody else say yes to Jesus. I'm giving you my whole heart, my whole life today. I'm making that decision. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're going to pray together. But I'm going to ask you, I want you to come down after service and I want you to confess to one of the prayer partners what you did this morning. What you did accepting the Lord Jesus Christ. But let's pray together. Say, dear God, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I receive... Jesus as my Lord and Savior. God, I give you all my heart and all my life. I believe that you, my Father, raised Jesus from the dead. I believe that in my heart. 
and I say it right now, that Jesus is my Lord. Now empower me, fill me with your Holy Spirit where I can have help and strength to live this life. And I thank you for saving me and I thank you for filling me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God thanks. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You